When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. This is Sports Day. And a very good evening, David Wildey and Dan Menzel filling for Malcolm Blight. Sports Day SA, thanks to Polaris. Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, the Polaris MY23 plate clearance on now. Save up to $3,000 on selected models. Good win for the Crows. Courageous loss in a way for Port Adelaide with so many changes, but a loss is a loss is a welcome. Dan Menzel, Dan, great to have you on board for the week. Well, it's great to be here for the week. And there is, with only three rounds remaining in the AFL season, still so many things that can happen in this season in terms of where teams will finish inside the eight or whether they'll even make the top eight. So it's uh, it's an intriguing position we find ourselves in this week, heading into round 22. Now, you've got your crystal ball out, the Dan Menzel crystal ball. How, how are you calling it? I mean, we, we can't get them right, but you, we've got to have a stab at it. What do, you, what do you got for us? Oh, there's so many games that are up for grabs, but I've done a little ladder predictor, and uh, it's very interesting. I, I think for the Crows, their pathway to the finals is they need to win two of their last three. However, their biggest game is not actually this week, which sounds weird and sounds funny. They take on Brisbane away. It's a bit of a free hit. They play Sydney next week at the Adelaide Oval at home. Now, Sydney is one of those teams that's vying for eighth position just the same as the Crows. They need to win next week. If Sydney beats them next week, I think you almost can put Over. a line for the through the Crows. So really interesting one there. St. Kilda's a team for mine that would potentially drop out. They have a really tough run to come. They're a game in front of the Crows, but they take on Richmond, Geelong, and Brisbane at the Gabba to finish. Now, that is hard. I don't see them winning more than one of them. Yeah. Do you? No, I'd, I'm, I've never been uh, sold on St. Kilda at all. I mean, they should have perhaps won yesterday. Yeah, no, they definitely Half had their time, chances against good, the they? Blues. And uh, Carlton changed a few things and tweaked a few things, which made a massive difference in that game. But uh, I Where's guess, Port Adelaide? Yeah, Port Adelaide's an interesting one. They probably need to win all three games if they are to finish second position on the table, which will be a real challenge. They've got the Giants this week at home who have been in – some scintillating form. They had a little blemish on the weekend against the Swans. But uh, Freo away, which will be a tough assignment, and Richmond at home to finish. They've got to win at least two, but probably three. Melbourne and Brisbane are the two teams vying for second position. Their run's probably a touch easier. So I think that Port Adelaide, they've got to get their list right with all their injuries, but second position might be a touch too far for them. Um, but the thing that I love about this is for Crows fans and Port fans, I know you don't like barracking for each other's teams, but uh, this weekend, I think if you're a Crows fan and a Port fan, you might be, if you're a Port fan, you'll be going for the Crows to knock off Brisbane at the Gabba. And if you're a Crows fan, you want the Giants to lose to the power this weekend. So it's very interesting for the South South Australian-based sides how it is lined up. Yeah, but we'll look at the injuries too. There's been some massive injuries, uh, which we've got to have a real good look at. It. But uh, Matildas, they got the massive do or die clash in the round of 16 tonight. Stadium Australia, they play Denmark. And the Diamonds thrashed England and win their 12th Netball World Cup Championship. We'll speak with Bianca Chatfield about that a little later. So the women's sport dominating there. Um, did you see, 
I don't know if you saw the Sweden USA coming down to penalties, but oh. the Swedish goalkeeper, she yep. get a game anywhere, I reckon. Yeah, no, she was magnificent, and they won by a millimetre. It was, yeah. Uh, when they went to the VAR and checked that the goal, the ball was actually over the line. It's an incredible uh, way to bow out, bow out of the World Cup. And the USA in the women's game has been dominant for such a long time. And uh, they, they've had a disappointing World Cup. So you could see this sort of coming, that they weren't maybe going to make it all the way. They were the favourites at the start of the tournament, but they are now out at the round of 16. So let's hope that the Matildas can go at least one better than the USA team did. Don't even caught up with Donald Trump's comments. He's absolutely slayed the US team, saying, oh, America's just falling apart even... <laughs> Even the woke USA <laughs> team, he's, he's incredible, Trump, for a for a comment. But, yeah, and and the girl that missed the – one of their champions that missed the the uh, the goal, he particularly – there's a bit of history between those two, so he got into her yeah, too. Yeah, that's no that, doubt. That is typical Donald Trump. Uh, what about the injuries? Let's start with Port Adelaide. Trent McKenzie, they've had a pretty tough run of injury again this year, uh, Port Adelaide. Had six changes last week, three were illness. But McKenzie, you think a month when you – when you do the, what did he do? Was it the knee or the ankle? The yeah, knee. no, it was the, the knee. knee. It's um, posterior. Yeah, that, it's definitely going to be the remainder of the home and away season. Uh, so that's a challenging one because you mentioned it, that they've been hit with injuries of late, the power, and uh, obviously Aaliyah is through concussion. But what it does is you don't want injuries this time of year. You're trying to get everyone on the park and get that cohesion. So there is some challenging times for Port Adelaide over the next few weeks and how they manage and mitigate these injuries. Can they can they go, do you think, Dan, go into a final series if your Ruckman's not fit? Now, even if Scott Lysett comes back in three weeks, he's not going to be fit. He's going to miss five, six weeks out of the, out of the previous seven. Charlie Dixon's running on empty. He's, yep. he's running on one leg. Yep. And I heard he's got foot, ankle and knee problems. So he's never going to, he's not going to be 100% this year. And then if McKenzie comes back in, in four, it's, it's a real risk going into a final series when you carry players. We saw, I think it was Sam Reed for Sydney uh, last about yes. five minutes last year. Yep. Just no good. It backfired big time on them. It's, it's a interesting point And it's a great point because Port Adelaide's got these more senior players that are not quite there at the moment, either injured or breaking down. What that does is it puts extra stress on the younger Port Adelaide mids in particular. And I still feel like Port Adelaide's maybe a year or two away until they're in their real sweet spot. And come finals time, it's a harder, more contested game. It's If you've got your Ruckman injured and a few other players oh. that aren't 100% fit, it makes it so challenging on the younger likes of Horn Francis, Butters, Rosie, these sort of guys to play absolutely out of their skin. Well, I'm thinking they, they could line up, well line up against Melbourne first. You know, Max Gorn against Vizantini, uh, McInerney from Brisbane. Uh, Collingwood play Cox and Cameron against the kid. I mean, it's a big start, isn't it? If you can get to, and you've got uh, Oliver and Petrarca sniffing at Gorn's heels. Yeah, it is. It's, it's massive. And so they've got to work out what is happening with Scott Lysett in the ruck position at Port Adelaide. But um, you mentioned Melbourne. That it feels like they're really starting to hit the sweet spot. And they're the team that Brisbane's had a few injuries. We've now seen Dacos and Collingwood go down. Port Adelaide's a bit the same. Melbourne's really ready to launch, and, and they're about to bring Oliver back into that mix. And Bailey Fritch is only a couple of weeks as, away as well. So if you can get your players back at this time of the year and have them fit, then yeah. it, it makes a massive difference heading into the finals. Petty's going to be a loss for them. He looks good as a forward. Uh, Dacos, the, the big one, isn't it? Um, Huge. Nick Dacos, um, he's got a hairline fracture, that the tibia, which is, um, they reckon, six. minimum. Yeah. Yeah, it's, six, it's probably six weeks, which... 
Uh, what's that mean? That means it's touch and go come prelim. I'll play a couple of finals. Prelim so. final and potentially. So that's an interesting one. The other one that's interesting, and I want to know your opinion on this, Wields, is has he got enough votes in the bank to be able to hold on to the Brownlow medal? I don't think he. I don't think he has. If Bontempelli can pick up uh, another three or six in the last. Uh, three games, he would have got another night. He's had an amazing season. Now, Collingwood have won more games. Yes. But Nick Dacos's last month has been pretty poor by his His own standard, yes. Yeah, still still pretty good, you know, getting his 25 possessions. But whether he gets the votes, I'm not so sure. Look, it'd be a bit of a tragedy for the young fellow because I was so confident if he played the season out, he wins the Brownlow. But Bondapelli and Petrarca, and Butters, I think you were talking about Butters in the office earlier, He's had a super year too. Yeah, he has. And and it's it's interesting because you, the psyche of players, um, Bonham Pelly's been close a few times. Now he sees Nick Dacos go down and he goes, look, I'm not playing to win a Brownlow medal, but at the same time, uh, there's no resting these last three games. Let's, let's win and let's, well, though, let's play well and poll well as well. And, um, it's something that uh, players would be aware of. And again, if you look at the coaches' votes, Dacos is on 99. He's the clear front runner. But Petraka 89, Butters 87, Bondapelli 86. And then Connor Rosie in, seven, in, in fifth position on 75. So really interesting. Toby Green, hasn't he had a sensational year? Forwards don't win brown lines, but it'd be interesting to see how he polls. So it might be a very intriguing count this, this yeah, season. Yeah, I think Rosie would take a lot of votes off Butters as well, but there's no Oliver to take votes off Petrarca. Oliver's yep. what missed the last seven. Now, normally they cut each other's lunch. Oh, they both poll yeah, a lot of votes. So it's going to open it up for Petrarca quite nicely. Jordan Dawson's still going to poll pretty well for the Crows as well, with a few big games for them to come. You never know. And what this has done is it just meant that it's not uh, one bloke that's going to run away with it. You could have five or six right there at the pointy end. How good was Adelaide's young? It had to be the youngest back line in their history and, and maybe in history, when you look at all the, the kids they played, Borlase, the latest one had come in, Mike Lanny's there, Worrell, Nan Curvis, all kids, and you had Hinge and, and Miller as the, the two senior, if you like. But, uh, gee, they held up well. They held up so well. And what was probably more impressive was the, the first quarter for the Crows was sensational on the scoreboard, but they were dominated early in clearances and inside 50s. So you mentioned those names. For them to hold up under that pressure in their first game or only a handful of games. I played a bit of footy against a few of these guys and their development's been rather incredible. Well, you mentioned young Borlase. You thought when he first came on, boy, he's got a lot of learning to do, but he's obviously mate, taken those steps. Yeah, I, I played against him maybe three seasons ago yeah. and I thought this guy is a long way away from it. But um, two years ago, yeah, it was a bit of improvements, but still I thought he needs to get a lot better if he's going to get a look in. And, and la- in the last 12 months, his footy has been incredible and in his development, it's a credit to the Crows for the development that he's had. He's a big boy. He's around the six foot three and 100 kilo. Here's Matthew Nix on uh, James Borlase taking them to step up to AFL. He's, he's got a lot of experience playing, developing himself um, you know, at the SNFL level. And we, we have a good discussion post the game today to talk about um, how pleasing it is to see these guys stepping up to the next level because it is a large jump to AFL level. But you know, to see two guys in two weeks step up and show they can play at the level. I, I mean, Mark Keane has played at the level previously, but not for a fair period of time. But for James today, it was, yeah, um, really pleasing. Now, I reckon you kicked a few goals on Worrell too. So, But he sometimes, it's funny, when you go to the next step and you're with better players, yeah. some players actually go better, don't they, than than playing in, in the lower level. So... Worrell and Nan Curvis, when you think Duday's out, uh, Butts is out. Yep. 
and they and Murray's, Murray's out. Murray's out as well. Done very well. Yeah, no, they have. They're standing up really well, and uh, it's all they can do at the moment. If they are in a final series against uh, a potent forward line like a Brisbane Lions, where they've got Danaher. Hipwood, Cameron, Bless. McCarthy, yeah. that would be their real test. <laughs> yeah. But at the moment, they, they're doing the job, um, which is rather impressive, and it's why the Crows are still a real shot at finals this you, season. You make a great point. Suddenly, Danaher's down there like six foot ten, um, and um, McCarthy can take a mark. Hipwood, Char- Charlie, Charlie Cameron, Cameron. Um, Rayner will go down there oh. at times. It's it's rather impressive. It's why Brisbane are as good a shot as anyone, but uh, they are doing the job that they need to at the moment. Just quickly, you're worried about Port's falling the trot, but they put up a reasonable performance given the fact that a lot of players dropped out. Yeah, no, they did. They, they played some pretty good footing. It's always hard to play well down there at GMHBA Stadium against the Cats. They play that ground so well. Um, they were they were good. They were in the game. They won the clearance battle, the inside 50s and the tackle numbers. So I think when you look at the metrics, they will be really pleased. But the thing for mine and the worry that I do have is that they get scored against far too easily. And when Aaliyah's out of that back line, now McKenzie's gone out. Uh, I know that as an opposition forward, you'd be pretty confident going in when they don't have their best players. And, and that's something that they've really got to shore up if they're going to be a real chance at winning the Premiership this season. Let's see if Ken Hinckley's worried about their form. I think we're okay. I think we've been thereabouts. You know, we, we were poor last week, but we, in between that, we played Collingwood and Geelong and thought we played pretty well in both those games without getting a win. But ultimately, um, you know, we set our season up pretty strongly with the run that we got on. Now we're on the, you know, we're on the reverse a little bit, but I'm still confident that we're in you know, a pretty good team. And uh, the last one before we head to a Braidwood. So the AFL's released the fixture for round 24. So it's come late in the season, but um, there is some very interesting and intriguing games. The first one I want to hit on is the last match of the round. It is Carlton versus GWS at Marvel Stadium. Now, take you back 12 months. Remember when Carlton played their last match of the round last year against the Pies? Um, Jamie Elliott kicks a goal. Yeah, broke a few hearts, that one there. But um, that'll be a blockbuster game. For the Crows and the Power, the Crows will take on West Coast at 7.40 at Optus Stadium. So that will be an important game. It might come down to how much they win by the Crows, whether they can make it in. And Port Adelaide takes on Richmond at midday. Adelaide Oval. So there's some really good games there that they've fixed obviously, very well and accordingly, depending on where teams are in the finals yeah. um, location. All that for the good oil, thanks to Cobram Estate Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil. As we said, just think of this name, Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. Coming up on the show, we've still got Jimmy Tumpus. He's going to talk about the footy on the weekend and former Diamonds and Melbourne Vixen star Banker Chaffer, she was also on the block and just uh, recently <laughs> done it all. a mother. Uh, our show, thanks to Kia, Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Dan Menzel, David Wildey, two sports day SA. Good luck to the Matildas tonight taking on Denmark. Uh, there a lot of eyes on that 80,000 in the stadium, so well done. And Sam Kerr should be back too, she reckons, which yeah. would be huge for us. I'm not sure about that calf. You're not calf. Yes. And Ollie Holland's a rising star for round 21. Well done to Ollie Holland's. His dad, Ben, used to play here. Right, time now for our top seven for Kia, the seven-seater Kia Sorrento, official part of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. The 
World Cup has arrived in Adelaide. Tan Tanya, visit fifa.com slash tickets. What's your number seven there, Dan? Yeah, number seven, I'm going to go with Jamara Hagen. He kicked five on the weekend. Uh, over his last month of footy, he's kicked three, kicked two, kicked four. So we're starting to see him hit the scoreboard, which we all knew the talent is there, but now he's starting to really show it on the field. Got four in the first quarter, didn't he? Yeah, he was incredible oh, in that first quarter. He's going to be a star he just if he starts kicking a bit straighter too. Uh, my number six is an exciting countdown. You spoke about the top eight. It could very well go to that last game, Giants and Carlton. I, I can't wait for it. There's so many different uh, permutations, if you like. Port Adelaide, I think you're right, have to win three to secure top yep. two. They can do that, where they will, who knows. Yep. At number five, I've gone with Carlton and Nick Newman. So Nick Newman had 35 touches on the weekend. He was sensational. But the reason I go with Nick Newman is it's the role players at Carlton at the moment. We mentioned it off air. Charlie Kernow only kicked the one, but he, he's just creating a contest. It's so many players in that team, Paddy Dow, are just playing yeah, their good, role. And they're it playing good. it to... Uh, Motlop, they're playing it as good as they can play it, which is why Carlton is dominating at the moment. Good call. they got four or five stars to come back, including Walsh and Chera. Uh, my next one is the injury toll. This is not top seven, not for good, but for how bad it was. Yes. Dacos, a young man, could cost him a Brownlow, could cost Collingwood their chances. Harrison Petty, we know, he's gone up forward, kick six, had two the other day, and then uh, he's hurt the ankle, could be out for a while. And McKenzie for Port Adelaide too. So it really was a pretty bad week for injuries. Yeah, it was a really bad week for injuries. Uh, something that wasn't bad though is my number three. It is Brian Myers. <laughs> now, he had five goal assists in this game on the weekend. That I can't remember the last time someone had three or four goal assists in a game. Five goal assists is rather incredible. We know that he is doing that this season. His name will have to be in the conversation for all Australian. I think you're right. Uh, Not to, for goals, kick for goals given. Correct. He still kicked to himself and had 24, but that's it's a very good game from Grime Myers. Is, is he one of the best kicks you've seen from hitting a target from 15 metres? Like he yeah. does these little dinky kicks, but it, always spots a man. It's because he kicks around the body, so you can't <laughs> actually tell exactly where he's going. It's really clever. It's Stevie J-esque, and uh, he is very good. So that's number three. What have you got at number two? My number two is is the debut of James Borlase. We talked about it. Um, I, I wasn't sure how it would go. He came out there. Uh, Casbolt took a mark on him in the first 30 seconds. I thought, oh, God, this could be tough. But yes. from that time on, 18 possessions. Jimmy Tumper said uh, he'll blow a gasket after the first quarter. He looked like he was sucking in the big ones. <laughs> but, hey, well done to Adelaide. They... You know, they, they put him straight onto a big guy like that. And I thought he delivered pretty well on debut. No, he did. He, he was very impressive on debut. And, and they'll be able to back him in again this week. Hey, number one, I've gone with, I know that Bud was your favorite player to watch. I think this guy's almost my favorite player in the watch, to watch Ooh. in the league now. And he plays for Sydney. It's Errol Gordon. Oh, Gordon, yeah. He had 10 coaches' votes again on the weekend. Uh, he had 32 disposals, seven tackles, five marks, two goals. He uses the ball as well as anyone in the competition. I mean, speaking of all Australian contention, he's another player that's in there. I love watching Errol Gordon. He, he is so damaging. He's going to be such a good player for such a long time. He'll get the wing, I'm pretty sure, if they go the way they should. He's um, at 30-plus many, many times. So, I right, that's a pretty good number one. I just love watching him play too. And we won't see Bud anymore. He's a left-footer too, isn't he, Eric? Yeah, so. both left-footers. He's only 21 years of age as well. So he's got we've got 10 more years to watch him as well. So Buddy goes, Eric comes in. They're pretty good top seven. I think we'll move Blighty out and put you in for those. <laughs> uh, coming up shortly on Sports Day SA, thanks to Luma Energy SA. Switch to the affirmative. Join Luma Energy today. We've got former Power and Demon star Jimmy Tumbus to review the weekend of footy and former Diamonds and Vixen star Bianca Chatfield to review the win for the Diamonds. They took on England. 
and they smashed England. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Sports Day SA, David Wildey and Dan Menzel. Time now to speak with AFL Nation and former Power Slash Demons Jimmy Tumpus for Tire Power. A winter safety sale now on 25% off equivalent. Four for three on selected Falcon Tires Tire Power. Get your free five-minute safety check. Well, Jimmy called the game with us too. He saw the Crows and he saw the young defenders of the Adelaide Crows. They had a nice win on the weekend too and he joins us now. Jimmy, how are you? Good, thanks, Wilds. How are you, mate? I'm going very well. Pretty solid performance, wasn't it? It wasn't a great game. They played the Gold Coast, a must-win. They did what they needed to do and uh, maybe we worried about the, the young Crows' defence, but all in all, they stood up pretty well. Yeah, we spoke about them pre-game with Malira essentially being, and Hinge essentially being their most experienced two players. And yeah, their, their defence held up really well. Um, Kimbo kept reiterating the point of, of Jimmy Borlace on his debut game and, and he started really, really well with eight touches in that first quarter. And he was a bit knackered after that. But no, nah, you're right. They they just got what they, what they needed to do to get done. And, and I think the first quarter was quite an attractive style of football. And then Gold Coast turned into a bit of a slog post that. So... Um, Crows are a game out. They're, they're looking pretty good at the moment. It's amazing. They they talk about how poor the recruiting is for Adelaide. Suddenly they've got depth. The young kids come in defence, uh, Nan Curvis and Worrell Borley. So who would have thought that? Uh, and, and the lads that, you know, even some that played all year. Uh, Hinge has been yeah. uh, doubted before. They, you know, I think you've got to take out off to some of the recruiting because it's standing up at the moment. I completely agree. I was actually walking post-game and I saw Dean Brogan, we were talking about, where's Jimmy Ball Ace been all year? Uh, and you could you know, put a blanket over a couple of those people, uh, a couple of those boys, and, and you reiterated Mitch Hinge, who was outstanding and, and got my three votes on the weekend. He was by far and away the best player on, on the ground. So, yeah, Reedy might need some credit for that one. He's copped it over the last couple of years, but I think he's done well with a few of those younger guys. Yeah, and Tump, I think the other thing that probably stands up is the Adelaide form in the Sandful. Uh, there's guys that we haven't mentioned in Crouch, in Keane, in Schoenberg, mentioned Warrell and Borlace on the weekend. Um, for those that haven't been watching the Sandful, these guys have been playing some outstanding footy, not just the last month, but all season. Yeah, I 100% Dan, and we probably got first uh, look at that a couple of weeks ago when they absolutely touched us up in the in the Sandful, and um, yeah, they're 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 players that were playing in the sample sort of between that 22, 23 years old and 26. They have just been playing some really, really consistent football. Elliot Himmelberg's another one who, who has been playing some great football and, and probably very unlucky to, to not get a game um, in saying that. He's probably behind. Still thought Walker and Fogarty, who all deserve their spots in the AFL side. So, yeah, they've got some really senior uh, players ready to go and, and, like we said, very unlucky not to be playing regular AFL football. Talking about Taylor Walker, they say one-trick pony, but they weren't. I think you gave Fogarty a vote or right up there on the weekend as one of his best games for quite a while. And he, he looked like he was running on top of the ground, a big, strong body, big presence, kicked a couple of goals, and I uh, thought he played well. Yeah, he, I think he just missed out on my votes. I think I had to get Sam Flanders in there for the one vote. But I think in hindsight, Fog was well and truly deserved of, <laughs> of, of that one vote behind Crouch and um, Inji. Yeah, Fog was great. He's back to sort of that big presence. He's... An absolute brute of a kid, um, and I wouldn't want to get in front of him as he's leading out. So no, he was he was really really good. Some of his contests, particularly early, were really strong for the growth. 
So before we move on to the power on the weekend, uh, for Crows fans out there, Jimmy, do you see the Crows making the top eight this year? Uh, It's line ball. I mean, I did... I did a bit of a ladder predictor um, yesterday as I was sitting on the couch just watching results unfold that were unlikely. Oh, I'm going to, so where'd, where'd you have them then? Today. I reckon they might sneak in. I, I think they finished around seventh or eighth for mine, but I mean, yep. I, I am probably a little bit biased because I like the boys. So um, I, I'll get them sneaking in. Hey, we might have the same ladder predictor because I've got them finishing eighth as well uh, at the end of the home and away season. But let's get on to the power. Your former club took on my former club on the weekend. The Geelong Cats got the job done over the power by two goals. Uh, Port Adelaide, four losses on the trot now. Is it uh, alarm signs and uh, really concerning down there at Alberton? I I wouldn't have thought so. Um I mean, four losses is an ideal at any point of the year and particularly leading into the finals. I think... Kane, um, Kane Corns reiterated a point around that. That's probably a loss that you'd take in regards to having two laid out um, with illness, a couple of guys falling down later in the week with injury, um, going up against Geelong, who don't lose two in a row at home, uh, and they go down by a couple of kicks, and they were sort of well within it um, up to their eyeballs late in the game. So I don't think it's panic stations just yet. Um, they'll get a couple of boys back. You would have thought this this week, but I mean, yeah, you have a starting midfield of, of Butters, Rosie, and Hornsby from the form they're in. You're going to be in most games. I would have thought. Yeah, I didn't think Geelong were that good. I mean, they're nowhere near last year. Watching Geelong, um, their midfield certainly um, way down. We saw Butters and uh, Rosie absolutely, and even Horn Francis, you know, play so well. But they need Lysette. I, I think for Port to go forward, I still think they can probably finish second, but. Um, they need Lysett back then. If Mackenzie's out, you know, a key, key backman as well. It's going to be tough, isn't it? Get the finals. I honestly think it's who's got the least injury. See Harrison Petty go down for, for Melbourne. Um, Dacos all of a sudden might not play again this year. Murphy's out. Collingwood had a great run with injury. But it's going to come down to that. Who can keep the men on the park? Yeah, it's a war of attrition at the moment. I mean, Trent McKenzie's probably underrated how important he is for Port Adelaide. They like keeping him really deep in defence uh, and play on a Tom Hawkins out of the goal square, um, that that type of player. So he, he's going to be a big loss. I don't know the extent of his injury just yet, but I think TJ, Tom Jonas, held up really well. He's obviously had his uh, critics and, and um, it's been a really challenging year for, for him. So I thought he held up quite well. You get a lead back next week. So, yeah, it's a good point you make, Will. So a lot of injuries over the weekend. But, yeah, Port, Port, Port is certainly good enough to be top two. They certainly are, but they have a very tricky last three weeks that they have to navigate. GWS at home this week, who up until the weekend had won seven on the trot. They got Freo away and Richmond at home. So, I mean, do you have them in your ladder predictor? Did you have them in the top two? Or I can't see them getting in the top two, to be honest, unless they probably go all three from them. Yeah, they got to go. I can't remember who Brisbane and Melbourne have. Well, I've got it for you, Jim. So Melbourne has Carlton, Hawthorne, and Sydney, uh, and Brisbane has Adelaide at home, Collingwood away, and St Kilda at home. So you'd feel like those teams would probably get at least two of those three, which would mean Port would need all three. Yeah, yeah. Brisbane's look pretty rough. Melbourne should get their three done. Yeah, and I think they're about fourteen or sixteen percent down in percentage yes. as well. So, yeah, it's going to be... That's probably going to be... That might end up being a deciding factor for them. I think being top two, particularly this year with some interstate teams in there, it's going to be critical to be there. So, 
yeah, it's 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 good. Yeah, they got their work cut out for them. It's amazing. Collingwood um, looked invincible a couple of weeks ago. They have a couple of losses, but Dacos is a is a massive loss for them. Um, it's going to be interesting how they go. They've got a, a tricky draw too coming home. So they've gone from well on top to they want to hold under first or second. They probably will. But once again, it comes back to that injury. And, and to see Dacos is disappointing. Probably would have been the favourite for the Brownlow. Now, maybe it gives it opens the door for, for Bontempelli or even Petrarca. But yeah, as I said, it's just so crucial, Jimmy, isn't it? Keeping him in on deck. Yeah, hundred percent. It's funny how you know footy changes so quickly. Two weeks ago, no one could get near Collingwood, and now everyone's picking holes in them and gaps in them, and 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 calling out their weaknesses. So uh, things can turn around really, really quickly. Port Collingwood have a win this weekend, and who knows what we're all saying from there. But yeah, the Brownlow one's interesting. You named you know those top three in regards to Dacos and Bont and and Christian Petrarca, but. Zach Butters is is going to be there yeah. and thereabouts. I think midway through the season, he his name is getting thrown about to win a lot of the awards now. And you know, Nick misses the next three weeks and and won't poll on the weekend. I think Zach, if he finishes strong, he'll be right there with them. Yeah, I think Rosie might cut his lunch. I want to ask Dan and yourself, Carlton, someone out of the the so called top four, they're the form team too, and they've got five or six decent players to come back in, and and they're on top of the ground as well. So. Maybe Michael Voss and the Blues could be the surprise package come come uh, September. It certainly looks that way, Woods. I mean, um, yeah. they, they take on Melbourne this week, Tump, so it's uh, it's a massive game for them. But you mentioned it. They're playing as good a footy as anyone with a few numbers come back in. Um, geez, it'd be incredible for the Carlton fans over on Ligon Street over there in Melbourne, sure. Jimmy, if they were up and about come finals time. <laughs> They will be very, very excited. I've got, uh, very excited. I've got some very close mates who are Carlton supporters in Melbourne, and, and the lid is completely off for them, as it was <laughs> at the start of last year, and it got slammed back on, but it's well and truly off. I, I actually watched that game in its entirety, and they were actually really impressive post-half time. They were they looked absolutely gone, and to have that resolve, Paddy Dow was excellent. Um, to have that resolve to come back against St Kilda, who are you know got a lot to play for as well, that was really impressive. So, no, I, I wouldn't count them out at all. Anyone else, Daniel, you think might make a charge? We mentioned the Giants. Um, they're, they're around the mark. Western Bulldogs are the one that I never really know what you're going to get. No, the, I think the thing is, you mentioned GWS is playing some great footy as well. And the Bulldogs is that sort of team. They did it back in 2016. They, they get a run on and it's amazing what can happen. So it's it's still a pretty open year because of the points you both have made around the injuries. If teams get injuries to their key position players, uh, it's going to make it tough and it makes it pretty open because, again, you can get a team slide in even around eighth position with Geelong or the Giants, and, and they can do some damage. Yeah, I'm really bullish on the Giants. I don't know why. I'm, I definitely tipped them against Sydney last week and uh, on the weekend, sorry, and Sydney obviously got them done. But I, I really like them. I think they're really exciting to watch. You mentioned Bulldogs as well. Wills, the six or seven teams that could easily, you could easily match case that could go all the way. So, yeah, the next seven weeks are going to be bloody exciting. Adam Kingsley almost could be contender for the coach of the year. If they can finish be. fifth or yep. sixth, where no one had him in the eight. Um, they lose players year after year, but they played solid footy. And uh, I've been really impressed with his coach, Kingsley. Yeah, I, I am as well. I think some of the videos that were thrown around social media um, from the Giants early on, just the way he commands the group and demands respect. Oh, I love listening to him talk. And um, yeah, they're exciting. They're really exciting teams. Just one quick one, Dacos. Um, he's been tagged. He was allowed to run free pretty well for the first 
15, 16 rounds and absolutely blitzed them. He's had a couple of guys do a, a really good job on him. And uh, I think he's going to have to get used to that for the next 10 years. So it certainly makes a difference <laughs> if you've got someone sitting in your back pocket. Yeah, uh, I, I remember. It, it, and again, it probably depends on who that tagger is. Obviously, Sid McGuinness got Josh Kelly done a few weeks ago and then he gets a job on Nick Dacos and, and obviously gets that. But that tick there, but we saw a number of teams try and tag Nick Dacos throughout the year and, and Fly consistently talks about his work rate and how fit he is. So you've got to be body fit to go with him. Um, but yeah, he's going to have to deal with it. He's so damaging. And I think if the club doesn't you know, put someone to him like Finn McGuinness does, they'll probably, you know, it might be a team or collective effort to knock into him where they can or try and push him to where he doesn't want to go. So yeah, he, you're right though, Wills. He's going to have to get used to that. And just quickly, your boys done, are the Eagles? No chance? Uh, we're still a chance, mathematically. Still a chance. Uh, we got <laughs> a solid... We got a, we, we got a big yeah. game against North Adelaide. We got our, we got our work cut out for us. It's going to be tough. Don't, don't get me wrong. But mathematically, we're still a chance. North Adelaide, who are going okay this weekend, and you, know, you got the top of the team, top of the table, um, Glenelg the following week. So, yeah, we're, we're optimistic. We just try particularly with Sheeds making a call of, of it, it being his last year. I think we just want to try and enjoy the next three weeks and whatever happens will happen. Well done. Kimbo and I gave you votes on the weekend. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Jimmy. You two, you two look after me. Jimmy Tumpas there. Thank him for his time. And, uh, yeah, did a great job on the, the special comments too. Hey, the injury update, talking about yep. that, Daniel. Thanks to Booper. Switch to Booper. Can stars outstanding value health insurance of 2022. Let's start with Port Adelaide. Trent McKenzie... He's a big defender. I know he to come back in, but he's played, I think, 17 games this year, so yep. he's going to be big out for at least four or five weeks. Yeah, the rest of the home and away season is done for Trent McKenzie. Unfortunately, with that knee injury, he's, he sustained against Geelong, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do because you're right, that continuity with him in that back line has made a difference. We know Nick Dacos will be gone for six weeks mm-hmm. uh, after suffering a hairline fracture in his knee. Was that when... Blank hit him front on. He said he had a sore knee yes. for the last couple of weeks, yep. but that might have really done the damage. Correct. And so it's going to be an interesting one with the way they handle that because they, they will be in contention to win it, but you do not want to jeopardise this guy's career. Harrison Petty, another one who he kicked six last week. He was super in the forward line for Melbourne. but he looks, um, good. he looks good as a forward. He does. He looks much better for mine as a forward than he does as a defender. Uh, a Liz Frank injury sustained in the win against North Melbourne. I've done one of them. If it's if it's somewhat serious, then he is, yeah. done, he is completely done, and it will be a long time. Chase Jones is the other one who's likely out for the season with a foot injury for the Crows. So not great news there, but... Isaac Rankin a chance to return this week. So that uh, that will be interesting to see what happens there. But uh, there's some of your injury news from around the competition. A lot of a lot of injuries to key players at the clubs up the top of the ladder as we get towards the end of the home and away season. Well said there. That was an injury update. Thanks to Booper. Join almost 4 million Australians and prepare for life with Booper because life happens. Time now to speak with former Diamonds and Melbourne's Vixen star banker Chatfield, all of Australian stars who said gear up for winter toolkit depot with a huge range of outdoor power equipment and winter workwear. Well, Daniel, what about the Diamonds? 61-45. Incredible. Looks easy, doesn't it? The it game does. against England in Cape Town. And, well, a lady that's played for Australia too and played very well is Bianca Chatfield, and she joins us now. Bianca, thanks for your time. No, no surprise Australia won, but, gee, the margin's a healthy one. I know, it was a very exciting uh, World Cup for the Diamonds. And I don't think any of us would have ever predicted that 
they would win the final um, by that much, or let alone that they would be playing England in the final. It all was played out a little bit differently during the rounds to how we all thought. But in the end, a brilliant result for the Aussie Diamonds. When you look at their depth, they're obviously a pretty hot favourite going in. You expected them to win, though. To, you said not England. Who, was, who did you think they would play? Yeah, we going into the tournament, Jamaica have a team of superstars and they got a silver medal at the Com Games last year and they are just they've got so much talent that it was really I felt like they were the probably other strong team. New Zealand had a huge preparation time. We don't get to see a lot of the silver ferns. Um, yep. because they don't play in our Suncorp Super Netball comp. Um, and so we didn't really know what they were going to bring, but we thought England might be a little bit weaker as Australia had absolutely dominated them in the quad series in the last year in the lead-up to the World Cup. So um, it was really Jamaica that we thought would bring everything, and they did to a certain point, but they could not get over Australia in that semi-final. Yeah, an incredible win from the Diamonds, who one of the most dominant teams in world sport. I compare them to the Australian women's cricket team that are so dominant. And it must just be such confidence amongst the group and, I guess, standards and professionalism, Bianca, that every time you pull on a Diamonds jersey or top, you play at that level and you expect to beat anyone. Yes, and I'm sure, as you know, like it, the culture is such a huge piece. And the in in the netball team, it's always been about um, our kind of tagline and what we all believe in is sisters in arms. Like we, and when we stand on that transverse line, no matter who's in the team, no matter what staff are with us, it's you have each other's back no matter what, whether you're winning, whether you're losing, whatever happens, that you find a way to support each other through those moments. And that has always been, I guess, the ethos as part of the team. And it's hard to live and breathe at the behaviours that come with that are of a really high standard. Um, but that is what, you know, as generations keep passing it down, the success of the Diamonds, it's just it's something that yeah. makes us all proud as past players that they continue to live and breathe it and create their own version of it um, in this new era. Um, and they've just really excelled when, you know, let's be honest, netball has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons recently. So it's so great to see the Diamonds were able to protect their energy in that space for themselves and really build and um, look after each other in those moments. Yeah, just on that, there's always storylines within storylines. And, and Sophie Garvin and Ash Brazil, I mean, you look at Collingwood, their their team gets cut. They come out and play. I, I think Sophie wasn't even sure whether she'd play in the final. But uh, to do what she did, it's a good story, isn't it, for both the girls? Yeah, it is. And I think what happens in Suncorp Super Netball doesn't necessarily translate to what happens to the Australian Diamonds. If you were going to pick Sophie Garvin on her performance in Suncorp Super Netball, you wouldn't have probably picked her in the team. <laughs> However, yeah. how the Diamonds need to play and how the Diamonds need her to play is very different. And she plays more shooter for the Diamonds. And, you know, she can really play a role. And she was exceptional. She really shut down all the sceptics out there who didn't think she deserved to be in the team. Um, but Stacey Marinkovic, the coach, had a plan for her. And every single player, Ash Brazel included, played their role really specifically and I think that was the key is that no one was there to try and you know run the show and take over they all had a job to do at different moments um, and they did it and they all did it in different parts and there was lots of changes on the court and um, the starting seven of the past is not necessarily something that's lived in this new evolution of netball it's all about making sure your team of 12 can play and it can play at any moment. So, Bianca, what, what changes did happen throughout the tournament? Because England did knock off Australia in the group stages and then went on to beat New Zealand in the semifinals, uh, who were the defending champions. So 
they would have had some unbelievable confidence going into the final against Australia. What changes were made throughout the tournament, do you think, that made it such a convincing win? Well, I think, you know, both England and Australia, New Zealand, Jamaica faced, you know, weakened nations in those first few rounds. So you're winning by 50, 60 goals and you're not really challenged. Um, the first England-Australia game in the rounds, that was when um, they'd come up against a tough team and England got them um, by one. Um, the Diamonds really, though, they hadn't played all their players. They hadn't, they tried a moving circle in attack um, and they had a lot of penalties in that game defensively. And so they pretty much had a, you know, a clean slate. Is in They had so many lessons to take out of that. But England kind of showed all of their hand. They played their probably best. They played all tournament. And they really had to replicate that and then go to another level if they were going to take on the Diamonds in the final and, and beat them. Um, there was also the great banter that happens, you know, in the media post-game after that round game. And England came out and said that Australia didn't seem that fit and then also gave them more ammunition <laughs> by saying that they looked like they were playing as individuals. And as we all know, I don't know why you would even try and poke the bear because that only <laughs> came back to bite them. <laughs> yeah, Bianca, we're, we're on a high still with a Thunderbirds win here in, in netball. Um, how's it going? You said there's, they've had a few issues and uh, obviously want to... A lot of the, the girls are going to football and other sports too, but how do you see netball going forward? You think it's on the, heading in the right direction? Oh, definitely. And yes, there's been rocky roads, but I feel like everything is aligning for it to be continue to become a powerhouse. And Suncorp Super Netball is a huge example of that. We've got the new team coming in, um, obviously, with the Sports Entertainment Network, SEN, taking it on board. Um, and Tracy Neville, a former Thunderbirds assistant coach, will head that up. And so I think that's going to bring something and a new dynamic to the league. Um, but so many internationals performing on the world stage over at the World Cup. Um, Mary Choholk from Uganda. I mean, you think about Uganda and the resources they have. She is an unbelievable star who no doubt will be in Suncorp Super Netball. I don't know where she might get to, but at some stage she'll be out here and absolutely dominate. So I feel like netball is only going to get stronger from here on in. And, and it was just important to build some pretty strong foundations to make sure that we can keep moving forward and not go backwards. Yeah, certainly true there. And Bianca, one that I've always found really interesting and I'd love to get your opinion because you've experienced it is in the sport I play, AFL, you, you play to win the premiership at the end of the year. You don't worry about the there's no preseason cup anymore. There's no other things that are the end goal. It's win the premiership. A lot of sports are similar. In netball, you've got the World Cup, but then you've also got the Commonwealth Games where you try and win a gold medal. How do they compare to each other with what you want to achieve as an individual and as a team? Yeah, that is a tough one, I think. But what I certainly learned over my career was that when your club team performed and you performed within combinations within that team, that always led to then success in selection into the Australian Diamonds. And then that always you know, led to then success, whether it be at Com Games and World Champs. And I mean, it's certainly not all as streamlined as that. Um, but I think you learn pretty early on that if you can become an integral part of a club team and have success within that group, then the results and the selection takes care of itself in terms of the diamonds. Um, but when you look at the two major competitions that we have, Worlds and Com Games, uh, Worlds is probably the pinnacle. Um, but for me, Com Games was something that I got a silver medal and I really wanted a gold and it was that kind of eluded me for a little while. It took a long time to get it. So the Com Games became a huge focus for me because that was being part of a big Australian team and being able to get that gold medal. 
Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic, but the girls certainly have learnt that you've got to play the team rules and the team game first. And if you do that well enough, then, then you get the honour of representing your yeah. country if that's what you want to do. Thanks for the chat, Bianca. And, and is it Kaya or Kia Ziggy? How's the little little one going? Oh, Kaya. Yes, little Kaya. Kaya. She's good. She's 18 months old now running around. So she's. I can hear her going, okay, yeah. I'm ready to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Bianca. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you. No worries at all. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Bianca. Chatfield, a former Diamond, played in six premierships herself, so certainly knows, and just a mother, recent mother of a yeah, and won that, baby. Won that Commonwealth Games gold in 2014 after the silver eight years earlier, so she mentioned that, which is really and interesting. And she was on that. the block. Yeah. Did the block in two. <laughs> she's done it all. She has done it all. Didn't have time to talk about that, but uh, yeah. Well, Daniel, that's just about it for us. We, we spoke with Jimmy Tumpus too, about uh, all the things Port Adelaide and Adelaide and gee, some big games coming up. We know that. And injury all gets down to injuries. It does. It absolutely does. And big game tonight in the Soccer Women's World Cup as well. Australia taking on Denmark in the knockout phases. Do it again tomorrow. See you then.